series we start by looking at the 14 practical definitions of wisdom number one life is like a timetable wisdom is the ability to do the right things at the right time number two i said life is like a snake wisdom is the ability to charm it before it bites you number three i said life is like a library wisdom is the ability to know the right books to read for your assignments number four i said life is like a seed wisdom is the ability to plant the right seed in the right soil water it prune it and wait for it to grow amazing number five life is like a bank wisdom is the ability to save today and redraw tomorrow amen so this morning we are looking at from 6 to 14. okay so number six life is a journey on a dangerous road wisdom is the ability to observe the road signs life is like a journey on a dangerous road wisdom is the ability to observe the road signs life is like a journey on a dangerous road wisdom is the ability to observe the road signs mommy is very protective of me i'm telling you she watches what i eat she protests when i'm not resting she wants me to live long you know there are some women who are praying for their husbands to die because they are disturbing them this woman really wants me to live long at least it's a plus for me isn't it it means i'm doing my work well then when mommy hears i'm traveling by road she wants to know which road i'm using and who is driving me so i'm going to do a world creation seminar in brongahafo and mommy goes i'm not going to let you drive on that road from Accra to kumasi do you know how many people who die on that road and they're not even going to kumasi you are going to continue to sunyane i'll not let you go by road okay let me fly the aircraft will, i cannot trust ghanian aircraft okay i'm going to do a conference in takrade honey you're not going that road there are constructions going on there and people are dying every day on that road okay honey I'm going to vote a region for a conference. And, hey, no, you are not going. So one day I asked mommy, so which road in Ghana is safe for me to travel on? Guess what she said? She said the road to her hometown. <laughs> but you see, most of the times I will convince mommy and I will seek a permission and she will allow me to drive. And I love driving myself. I don't have a driver. Can you imagine? I drive myself. I love driving because I love to be in charge of my life. When I'm sitting at the back there, my driver is driving me. It's like, it's like I'm handed over my life to somebody. So I love to drive myself. But because mommy is so close to me and she knows my weaknesses, she doesn't believe I'm a better driver than the drivers that are brought to me. Now, I've been driving for years. And the driver comes to me, how many years have you been driving? Three years. I say, me, I am a driver emeritus. And you, you just came, you don't even have your own level drive, driving experience. So you, you understand? So I don't have a driver. So I'll manage and drive. 
But all the time, I drive to my destination and come back. On my way going, I see accidents, horrible accidents. I see police officers have arrested people. But now listen, the reason why I go and I come all the time, because even though the roads are dangerous, is because on my journey to my destination, I find road signs that tell me the dangers ahead. I find road signs that tell me that sharp reverse curve, slow down. I find road signs that tell me men at work ahead, slow down. I find road signs that tell me 50 kilometers per hour. And sometimes when I'm with small boys in my car, they will tell me that, daddy, 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 this is your car with this engine. When you go 50 kilometers, you will worry the engine. Let's go. Don't mind them. Let's go. I will mind them. I will mind them because your survival on dangerous roads depends on the road signs. The road signs will tell you what you should expect ahead. So even before you get to the middle of your journey, you know what you should expect ahead. Life is like that. Life is a journey on a dangerous road. If you want to live and live long and survive and succeed in life, you must always observe the road signs. What are road signs in life? Road signs are people who have gone ahead of you in life. Their stories should tell you what will happen to you ahead. Their stories will tell you. Your mother's story is a road sign of what is waiting ahead for you. Your father's story is a road sign of what is waiting ahead of you. Instead of condemning your father for neglecting you and not taking you to school, and your father chasing women and giving birth with different women, and so growing up in a broken home and bearing grudges against your father, your father's story should be a road sign. That is the man who had 20 children, with five women, and yet when he was dying, nobody was by his best side because he messed up his life. He should tell you that if I go the way of my father, I would die like he died. Somebody hearing me. So, you should rather thank God that you got a father who messed up his life and his life is teaching you valuable lessons. If you grew up under a mother who grew up as a very naughty girl, having children here and there, here and there, your mother's story should tell you something. Your mother is a lonely old woman living in a village somewhere and your mother is telling you, Akosia, watch out, oh, I did what you did. What you are doing, I did it even more than you. Akosia, watch out, oh, I was more beautiful than you. The men used me. They played me like football. Watch out. Listen, everybody's story, whether the person was successful or a failure, anybody who has gone ahead of you, the person's story is a road sign for you. Learn it. Observe it. Learn it. Observe it. My father was a minister of the gospel. I grew up to find my father as a beggar. My father's story serves as a road sign for me in ministry. As I ran on the dangerous road of ministry with witches and wizards lurking around, wanting to lay ambush against my ministry like they did to my father. My father's story teaches me a lot of valuable lessons in ministry. As you come to church, you will find people who are older than you. The fact that you sit on the same chair with them does not mean that you are equal to them. Humble yourself and learn from them. I'm, I'm just about two and a half years older than mommy. And I've been telling mommy, when I started talking, they are not giving birth to you. I'm a very old man. <laughs> two and a half years. She said, only two and a half years. I said, count it in seconds. Convert it in seconds. You see that I lived long before you were born. When somebody is even one month older than you, 
the person has something has learned something that you have not learned. I've been repeating these proverbs here because I love it. Young people think that old people are fools, but old people know that young people are fools. What an elderly man will see from afar, sitting on the ground, a young person will not see from the tallest tree. There are valuable lessons that people who have gone ahead of us will teach us every day. Do you know that sometimes when people fail, we don't want to learn from them. We just want to learn from people who are successful. But let me tell you something. The failure stories are more important than the success stories. When you get to know why people fail, and you learn from their failure, the mistake that led them into failure, you are armed more to succeed better. No matter how people teach you the principles of success, the weakness of failures will be waiting for you. Are you here with me? So when you come to a church like this and I'm preaching, I am teaching, I'm pointing to you dangerous road signs, pointing to dangerous things ahead in life. And you should watch. Wisdom will always make you steady from people who know better than you are. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 3. Even as I walk along the road, the fool lacks sense and shows everyone how stupid he is. And I've seen some before. When I'm driving and I see young people, who are driving past my car and they're looking at you through their, their windows and say, why? You can't, you can't drive. You can't drive. And then they go ahead. And I say in my mind, that is the stupid young man going to die before his time. And most of the time, by the time you get ahead, either you've been arrested by police or they have crashed. Amen. Can I move on? Okay. Number seven, wisdom definition seven. Life is a walk on a minefield. Life is a walk on a minefield. Wisdom is the ability to give thought to your steps. Life is a walk on a minefield. Wisdom is the ability to give thought to your steps. Proverbs 14 and the verse 15. A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. Well, I, I love watching action films. You know, but I'm a man of action, my, you know, I don't like slow things. But I remember when we were growing up, there used to be Rambo and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes, Sylvester Stallone. And you, you know how they used, to, they used to plant mines? You know, mines. Mines is an explosive. You, you, you dig the ground, you put it there. Your enemy will not see. Runs through the, this thing. Boom. And then it kills them. Life is a, it's a, it's full, it's a minefield. Listen, Delilah was a mine. Joseph, something did not see. Potiphar's wife was a mind Joseph saw. Most of the times we go out there thinking that everything is fine and we are just making decisions and suddenly we just make one decision that shatters our dreams forever. Do you know that in this church there is somebody sitting beside you who is a mind the devil has just planted? You will see that sister dancing nicely and singing in the choir and dressed like a Christian. But inside she is not. She's a mind. You marry that sister and for the rest of your life, your life is shattered. That brother that comes around and talks like a pastor and acts like a pastor and behaves like a good Christian may be a mind. And that's why you must give thought to your steps. That's why when you are making decisions in life, you have to ponder and ponder over. There is no need rushing and crashing. Are you understanding what I'm talking about? Listen, we make decisions every day in life. There are choices. 
We make choices. You chose to be here this morning. And I can assure you it was a good decision. You see, decision making are the choices you make that determine your success or failure in life. Your life today is a reflection of the choices you have made in the past. And your life tomorrow will reflect the choices you are making today. And I want that to get into your spirit. And so if you want to succeed, be patient. Give thought to your steps. This thing I'm doing, what will be the replication? They say, no, it's not all that glitters, it's gold. So the thing might be glittering, but take your time and find out whether it is gold. Somebody understand what I'm talking about? It is very important. Don't rush in life. Don't rush. You know, there are three major decisions in life. Number one, the decision as to where to spend eternity. And that is accepting Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior and making heaven with us. There are no two or three ways to heaven. Only one. Only one. How many of you have two or three access to your house? How many of you? You have one. So if you, your house, only one gate, only one entry point, how can God create several entry points to heaven? Only one. So if you want to make heaven, the most important decision is to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. It is only Jesus who said, I and the Father are one. It is only him who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one cometh to the Father except by me. He's the only one. He's the only one who said, I am going to the Father. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. The second most important decision in life is the decision as to um, your profession. What you do with your life in terms of profession. God created you for a purpose. If you don't find it, you will always be angry in life because you don't find fulfillment. There are people who are teachers. Every morning they get up, they are going to teach. They are angry. Because that's not what they were made for. That's not what they were made for. And the children suffer. Because one here, not both one more. They are there, they are lecturing, they are teaching, they are angry, they are angry. Because they were not made for it. They are, they say, it's a just um, marriage of convenience. You see me, me, I wake up every day with joy in my heart. Because I am fulfilled. You see what I'm doing now? I was made for it. I was created for it. You see, every human being is purpose built. You were not just, you were not by... You were not created by default. Oh. You were created by design. God was intentional about you. The size of your head and the size of your nose and the size of your mouth were all very intentional. When I was growing up, they used to tease, them, tease me that my mouth was big. But you know, today I make all my money speaking. Teaching at the university, doing motivational conferences, and people pay me. And sometimes when I get the money, I say, ah, God, if I knew once I was young, that you created my mouth big to say big things for big money, I would have widened it myself. <laughs> you understand? You were Ghanaian by design, not by default. You were Nigerian by design, not by default. You were a Liberian by design, not by default. You were Malian by design, not by default. So, so if you don't discover why you were created, you will always be frustrated in life. No matter what you do, you'll be frustrated. I was created to develop leaders for Africa. I was created to contribute to the quest for the solution for the African leadership crisis. That's why I develop leaders. That's why I teach the way I teach. That's why I don't preach like other pastors. I preach like me. You are my assignment. Do you know that after this, some people will be so blessed because it will meet their needs. Others will say, oh, it was a waste of time. It was a waste of time. When I hear people come to my service and say it was a waste of time, I don't blame them. My assignment is not to them. So I can never meet their needs, and I can never solve their problems because I was not built for them. 
But I hear a lot of more people saying, Daddy, you have transformed our lives since we came to church. I started listening to you. You have helped us. That is, those are for, my, for me. Are, are you hearing me? They are for me. So now, now listen to me. So, so you have to make the right choice in terms of your profession. Don't follow attractions. Follow your assignments. You know, there are some things that can easily attract you. Oh, he's a medical doctor. I also want to be a medical doctor. But maybe you were not created to be a medical doctor. You were created to be a, an auto mechanic. It might not be as attractive as the medical doctor. Don't follow attractions. Follow assignments. Very important. Very essential. I used to have a friend. His name, the Lord has called him home. His name was George Hasford. George was such a good praise and worship leader. Every morning, I would go to church first. And arrange all the chairs and clean up everywhere and fix instruments, fix everything and go home and go and get ready to come. By the time I finish all those things and work, carry instruments here and there, here and there and fix everything and go home and I come, I'll be running late. There used to be this usher. Anytime I got to church, she would look at me and say, oh, for you, you are always coming to church late. She didn't know what I'd done before. She was supposed to be an usher. She was supposed to come and clean up. She didn't come. I came to clean. And she was accusing me of coming late. She was one of our big sisters, so I couldn't talk back to her. So I will go to church and sit down quietly. Then George Hasford will come and pick up the microphone and lead praise and worship. And then after church, people will come to George and say, George, George, you are good. George, you are good. This morning, I swept the whole church to arrange the chairs. And all the usher told me was that I came to church late. And George just sang for 30 minutes. I did all the way for over two hours. I was here cleaning up, carrying all the chairs. Hey, these people. And so people will come and buy granite and banana for George. During those days, now the church, we refresh ourselves with cake and hot chocolate. During those days, we used to refresh ourselves with banana and granite. When we close church. They will come and praise George and leave me. So one day I said to myself, I will sing. Hmm. Me and two hours sing. So I went to George Hasford and said to George, George, I want to sing in the choir. Then George said, Gideon, say do. I said, do. He said, Gideon, you can't sing. Go and do what you are doing. But you see, today what I did had brought me here. But at the time, George's assignment was more attractive than my assignment. So I wanted to follow the attraction. You know, I'm a typical teacher of the word. I teach the word. But I know prophetic ministry is more attractive than teaching. So if you don't take care, you'll be running, you want to prophesy more. Because we live in a very superstitious world. You understand? You know, in America, for instance, it's those who teach, who churches grow, not those who prophesy. But in Ghana, those who teach, we have to mark time. Be careful. I thank God for mommy. Mommy's friends she was working with were marrying rich people. We're marrying rich people. When mommy showed me to them that she was going to marry me, a 24-year-old pastor with one trousers and one shirt and a shoe, when you saw my shoe at the time, you would have convulsed. <laughs> because the shoe was a convoluted shoe. But mommy was not following attractions. Mommy was following assignment. Because mommy knew by prophecy and knew by rhema that she has to marry a pastor. One day she came to visit me. And saw how desperate I was. She started crying. I knew that this girl was crying because she, what God was asking her to do was too much for her. I said, Olivia, what is this? Oh, it's not you. Olivia, what is this? It's not you. 
When she finally went away, I said, huh, this, this calling is too much. The call to marry me is too much for this girl. Then finally, the most important decision is the decision as to who you marry. Because that determines your happiness in life. The decision as to where you spend eternity determines your life, your happiness after death. The decision as to what to do with your life determines your fulfillment in life. But what determines your happiness is as who to marry. And all these ones, you have to give thoughts to your steps. No matter how fulfilled you are in terms of your profession, your career, if you are not happy at home, it nullifies everything. Closing from office and walking into the arms of a lioness. Or closing from office and walking into the arms of a lion is the most difficult thing that can ever happen to anybody. You understand? You know, I'm meeting, I haven't given you the date yet. I'm meeting all the married men very soon. And I'm going to share on the subject how to manage the 14 women in the book of Proverbs. And then I'll meet the married women and I'll share with them how to manage the 21 men in the book of Proverbs. But listen, I'll just invite all of you and then we'll have that. The one I finished... When I finish, I join all of you together. Then we move on from there. So please, be very careful as to the kind of decisions you make. Give thoughts to your steps. Don't rush. Don't rush. Give thoughts to your steps. Amen. People wonder when they come to me. Like when I started uh, training people, I gave myself seven years to become a university. I didn't rush. On the seventh year, we were in university. Now I'm giving myself five years to make great impact with the university. I'm not rushing. We are only two years now. I have three more years to make the impact I want to make. I am not rushing. I'm observing. I'm looking at things. The Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. Sometimes in life, you just have to be still. This reminds me of a guy who was stealing from his friend's uh, sheepfold. The friend had a pen. So he used to go there and steal. So he kept stealing them one by one. And was left with the last sheep. So the friend said, I must catch this thief. So the friend put electricity on the pen. That anybody who comes there will be electrocuted. So this guy went and was going to cut the last one. But he started to give thought to his steps. So he said, no, today looks like something has changed. Let me observe well. <laughs> and then he saw the wires. He said, hey, this man is a wicked man. He wants to kill me. So he went to the man's, his friend's house. He said, you are a very wicked man. The last ship I'm going to steal. I saw that you are putting electricity there. You wanted to kill me. Even thieves give steps to their thoughts. They give thoughts to their steps. Listen, don't just be in life and just do anything anyhow. Give steps to your thoughts. Give thoughts to your steps. Amen. Number eight, life is a chance. Wisdom is the ability to take it. Life is a chance. Wisdom is the ability to take it. Ecclesiastes 9, Ecclesiastes 9, verse 11. I'm reading from the King James Version. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happening to them all. We all have had chances. You know, sometimes people will sit down and say, Charlie, this one day he got some chance, oh. He, this one, Titi of got some chance. Hmm. Titi of he got some chance. We all get chance. The Bible says time and chance happen to us more. But sometimes we don't take the chances we have. Let me give you examples. In 2010, World Cup, South Africa, 
Nigeria versus South Korea. Yakubu Aibini. Empty net. Empty net. Nigeria has prepared for four years to be there. Empty net. Score so that we can progress to the next one. Yakubu Aibini saw the net. Empty net. And kicked it somewhere. Sometimes we prepare. Then when we get to the last minute, we mess it up. 2010 World Cup. Ghana versus Uruguay. As Samuel Jan scored the penalty, we would have been the first African country to go to semifinals. And I'm telling you, if we had gone to semifinals, we would have gotten the support of the whole of Africa and would have won the World Cup. We are prepared for four years for this. Just score, let's go. Missed it. And when you miss those chances, see John Terry missed that penalty in Russia, 2008. He has never had the opportunity to play in any Champions League finals. Even Europa Finals, he didn't play. He got injured. You don't get such opportunities and you mess them up. So, so life sometimes presents us with last-minute chances. If you miss it, you are dead. What I have done in my life, my friends, is always observe. I've told you that there's no complex strategy when it comes to success. Success is more of a combination of the grace of God and common sense principles than a complex strategy. I'm a very simple man. I am not an extraordinary man. I am a very, very simple man. I don't do complex things. So, even English, I don't speak complex, in, complex English. I speak the everyday English. I make my life very simple. That's why I don't read King James much. I love Good News Bible. It's simple, straightforward. You, you understand? I make sure I, I, I make life very simple for myself. And life is like that. I take the little, little chances as they come. I don't wait for a jackpot. I don't have a jackpot mentality. I have the seedling pot mentality. I believe that life is a seed. Just plant it. Water is small, small. Do small, small. And it will suddenly become a big tree. So number nine. Are we in number nine? Good. Life is a relay. A relay. You know what relay is? Relay is a baton. We call it baton here. You know, you run and you hand over the baton to someone. And the person runs. Okay. Life is a relay. Wisdom is the ability to put the next runner in a pole position. Wisdom is the ability to put the next runner in a pole position. And you know what the pole position is? When you are going to run and you give somebody a chance to start ahead of you, you have put the person in a pole position. Listen, all that I'm doing in life, setting up schools and setting up universities and colleges and working hard and not sleeping, you know what I'm doing? I'm trying to put my children in a pole position. That by the time I die, my children will not have to struggle to build houses. Because houses would have been built. Money would be there. Why? Because I'm putting them in a pole position. I'm trying to put my children in a pole position. You know, some of us, our fathers did not put us in pole positions. Would have even done better than we are doing now. Our fathers focus on themselves. Our mothers focus on themselves. You understand? Some of us couldn't go to school, not because there was no money. Your father was just marrying plenty of women. Didn't care about you. So they didn't put you in a pole position. Some of us didn't go to school, not because our mothers could not. Your mother was attending every funeral and using the little money to buy funeral clothes every weekend. So they didn't care about your school fees. I knew mothers that my mother was living in the same house with. Whilst my mother was selling her clothes to buy, pay our school fees, they were buying new clothes with their children's school fees and telling them, next week, please can I to school? And the children never went to school. They didn't put them in a pole position. Listen, whatever you do in life, you are thinking about the next generation coming after you. My, my, my whole commitment and everything I do 
is that anybody who hears me, anybody who submits to my authority should be better than myself. I want to come to, to, to you and you have a better university than my university. I want to come and open your church, those who, are, who want to be pastors here, and your church is bigger than mine because Jesus said, greater ways shall ye do. I want people here to be better and greater than Bishop Titiofer. My aim is to put everybody in pole positions so fathers mothers here who spend their money as if there's no tomorrow watch out okay number 10 life is like music life is like music wisdom is the ability to find harmony life is like music wisdom is the ability to find harmony can you imagine somebody sings bass another person sings auto another person sings trouble not trouble another person sings um Tenor. They all come here from different backgrounds, born by different parents. Then they all come here to sing. Then the keyboardist strikes A. Once everybody finds A, and the bassist plays A, all of them plays the uh, lead guitarist A, the trumpeter A, the saxophonist A. Once they find harmony, it doesn't matter whether you sing bass. It will not matter whether you sing treble. It will not matter whether you sing tenor. It will not matter whether you sing auto. You all have different levels of tones, but one key helps you to find harmony. Then when all of you sing, we get beautiful sound because of harmony. Life is like that. You won't get me to sing auto because you sing auto. I'm a bass singer. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, I'm a bass singer. <laughs> you understand? So, so if I'm a bass singer and you want me to sing auto, it will not work. Let's find the key and let's all sing what we have to sing. And we'll be fine. That's how it is. I don't have to be like you for you to like me. I don't have to behave like you for you to like me. I don't have to dress like you for you to appreciate me. I just have to be me. Let's find the right key. It'll be fine. In life, make sure that you have you live harmoniously with people. Don't fight your small and fight your small and fight your small. Every day you have troubles with people. I have discovered something that you cannot change some, me until you change you. Do you know that I can never let you walk in righteousness until I start walking in righteousness? I can never let you become great leaders until. I become a great leader. Behave like a great leader. That you can. You cannot get changed people until you change. If I want you to pray, I must start praying. If I want you to love God, I must love God first. So do you know that the things you want people to change, that they are not changing, is because you have not changed to be like that. If you want to find harmony with people, don't focus on yourself. Focus on them. Okay. Number 11. Life is like a track running. Life is like a track running. You can only run in one direction. Wisdom is the ability to stay focused. <laughs> Life is like a track running. How many of you have seen Uze Boat running before? He was beaten recently. He was beaten by Gatlin. Okay, he was beaten by Gatlin. Okay. But see, the amazing thing about these people is that before they run, they are all given tracks. You are supposed to stay in your lane and run. 
run in your lane and just run there in your lane. Stay there. You know, life is like a track running. We all have our lane. I've just shared with you how not to follow attractions but follow assignments. We all have our tracks. Let's be in that track and let's run and run and run. Do you know that when I started training, I started developing people, when I started running courses, there were pastors who were offended that I was not in the church. I had not limited myself to the four walls of the church, preaching theology and teaching theology. There were pastors who were offended, but there were pastors who thought I had misleaded. There were pastors who thought I had deviated. But what they did not know is that God did not call all of us to run in the same track. We all have different tracks in which we are running. That is why I don't sit in judgment of other pastors. They are in their track. I am in my track. I am following my track. I am running in my track. Oh, are you here? Don't follow the crowd. Don't let people move you from where God placed you. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 from the King James. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of God in Christ Jesus. So reaching forth unto those things which are before me. Life is an expectation. Number 12, life is an expectation. Wisdom is the ability to manage it. From the day you were born, your father came to the hospital and said, Ah, this my son will be a lawyer. Ah, this my daughter will be a nurse. And then they gave you an expectation. Everybody expects you to do something. You know me as a pastor. People expect me. People have so many expectations of me. A pastor must dress like this and work like this and must eat like this. Some people believe that pastors might only eat soakings. Some people also believe that pastors, pastors' wives must put on scarf. So mommy must put on scarf. Some people believe that pastors must be poor. So people have different expectations of pastors. Some came from Methodist background. Some came from Presbyterian background. Some came from Pentecost background. Some came from different background. And they come into church and they all have different expectations of me. But I can't be what you want me to be. I can only be what God wants me to be. So one of the great things you can do to yourself is to declare your independence of people's expectations of you. And just follow God's expectations. 13, life is an example. Wisdom is the ability to set them for posterity. Whatever you are doing, you must leave example for people to follow. I want my young pastors to follow my example. So everything I do, even my children at home, even when I'm not going anywhere, I want to wake up before they come and find me in bed at six. You understand? Finally, life has an end. Wisdom is the ability to determine how well you end it. Life has an end. One day this life will end. One day this life will end. One day this life will end. One day you will die. It's appointed unto man who wants to die. After that judgment. I dread that. I want to end my life well. I want to, when I die and I stand before the judgment seat of God. I want God to save that good and faithful servant. I want to be at that right hand. I want to be a sheep at his right hand, not a goat at the left hand. How are you ending your life? How will you end your life? The best way to end your life is to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. Thank you for joining me on this program. I will come your way again next week, same time.
But you know, I cannot live without asking you to give your life to Jesus. Please pray this prayer with me. Close your eyes and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. And on the third day, you resurrected for my salvation. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me my sins. I open my heart to you. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. So if you prayed this prayer, you just got born again. I invite you to worship with us at the Sheepfold Chapel of the Sprinters Road. You get to the Unibank, opposite the Unibank on the Sprinters Road. You will find our church billboard. Just follow the billboard and come, let's worship. And the Lord is going to bless you as never before. And you know what? I want to also hear from you. So please go to my Facebook wall, write my name, Gideon Titi Affair, and send me a message, your comment on this program, any questions you have. Please go there and then let's have a chat. God bless you. We're grateful for tuning in to the Pleasant Word broadcast with Bishop Gideon Titi Affair, brought to you by the Pleasant Place Shifo Chapel, the church with pleasant people. Find the pleasant place on the Spinters Road, Basket Bus Stop, near Unibank. Dial 0264 133333. 0264 133333. For more information, come and worship. Yeah, I have a pleasant place Come and be